Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome into a good football show. I am Sarah Perlman, and in a few moments, I'll be joined by Drew Dinsick, Pat Darty, and Pat Green. You guys, the 2022 NFL schedule was released last night. That was Thursday night. And we're here to break it down and give our best predictions and future bets and probably way too early assumptions for the upcoming season. But before we get into all of the specifics for each team and division, I want to hear your guys' initial reactions to last night, seeing the schedule be released. And Pat Darty, I will begin with you. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was just everything the Bills are doing is what I'm interested in. They're the my 2022 team of destiny. They're like the team. They're the most fun team with probably the most fun player now. I would say Josh Allen has maybe surpassed Patrick Mahomes as the most fun player. And, you know, you get right off the bat with in Los Angeles against the Rams where, you know, sometimes these week one matchups have been a little shaky in recent years where, like, someone retires or, like, the Super Bowl winning team isn't as good. Um, like the Rams are going to be just as good. The Bills are like the ascendant power. This couldn't ask for a better kickoff game. Then this, like, the Bills, this have juice ever. Bills at Chiefs in week six, hosting the Packers in week eight, playing on Thanksgiving against the Lions. Like we get an actually good team in the early Thanksgiving game for once. So that was like what I kept noticing. Like, man, I'm just jazzed about all these Bills games. And uh, so that was my my big takeaway is like, one big Bills game after another in 2022. I'm going to go to you as Roto Pat, by the way. Other Pat. Yeah, we have uh, 100 You can call me Karain. Karain yeah. makes Fine. things Karain. easier. Let's go by last names. You can call me whatever you want. I'll understand. I'm the only thing <laughs> on the room. Okay. Karain, we look at the schedule last night. It gets released, and obviously the Rams and Bills, that one popped to a bunch of us. Drew has his Rams jersey on to get ready for the upcoming season. What are you most looking forward to? What popped? Well, so, you know, the fantasy guys, obviously, we're looking at the Bills, but I was looking at the Bills in week 17, where a lot of these like best ball tournaments and and basically any kind of fantasy football tournament, you're going to need to be really strong in week 17. And the Bills play the Bengals in week 17. We get the, the AFC championship game that wasn't. That one really jumps out as a fun one. Anytime the Bengals are in a position to pass a lot, I get excited. The Bills, I think, are, are a lock to be pass-heavy. They're going to push the Bengals into a pass-heavy mode. So that game should be a ton of fun. I think that just kind of classic setup for a shootout. Even if it is uh, January 2nd, the Bills will pass through the cold. The Rams and Chargers also a Week 17 game. That I mean, that's going to be a very, very exciting, fun game. 
Hopefully they'll be pushing each other a bit. You could maybe see more of a run heavy script from the grant from the Rams side, but the, the Chargers should be should be pretty pass heavy. So those games really jumped out as just fun ones that we're going to be stacking up in fantasy for week 17. Yeah, True. I agree with all the sentiment. All, Ra- all Rams all again, or what do we Well, think? they didn't they did <laughs> they did us dirty. Giving us the bills for our banner night. Uh, I don't know about, I don't know about that call. Usually they, you know, the defending champions get a little bit of a soft landing, you know, so you get a celebration. That is not that does not qualify. I saw some people thinking the Rams were mm-hmm. going to go off at like minus two and a half in that. No, thank no, that's going to be a pick them. In fact, I could see the Bills go off ultimately as favorites as people kind of continue to warm up to how good this Bills team is going to be this year. And realistically, uh, I agree with just in general the sentiment. Week 17 looks unbelievable. The those two games that Corrine mentioned, Rams, Chargers, Bills, Bengals, like it feels like they kind of set that up to sort of decide the MVP between like uh, you know Stafford and and uh, Herbert playing uh, on uh, on in prime time on Sunday, and then you know Burrow versus of course my MVP choice would be Josh Allen uh, in the prime time game on Monday night. You know, so it's it's interesting the way that they backloaded the schedule like that in terms of those high profile games. And and in general, I think, you know, they did a good job of putting some entertaining uh, games across the board. A pat, you know, another general case for, Mm -hmm. you know, Josh Allen MVP. He's got a soft landing in terms of past defenses. He gets to play on Thanksgiving, so he'll have a lot of eyeballs on him. So, you know, a lot of things kind of supporting that position. But. Yeah, I mean that the the, uh, the mm-hmm. NFL season is going to be as good as you know as we've ever had. There is there, there is general, you know, there's a what, what's the right word for it? Parity, I guess, uh, across the league right now, particularly in the AFC. Um, one of the things that obviously stands out: AFC teams have the extra road game this year, and so as you kind of look through every AFC team schedule, particularly those in the AFC West, it's like, wow, these are hard. Every one of those schedules is like sequence difficult and, you know, sequence is difficult and the opponents are uh, especially challenging. So uh, AFC West is going to be yeah, wide open. Drew, yeah, like the Chiefs have like a four game stretch where it's like 85 Bears, 2000 Ravens, uh, <laughs> 2022 Bills. And uh, I too wanted to say, yeah. we mentioned like the good teams. We would be mm-hmm. remiss not to mention the best bad games. Which of course is week one, the Seahawks hosting the Broncos. And the NFL You know what? Is- I'm excited for that game. No, me too. Seahawks are gonna be a good team. Don't get me wrong. I like the under on the Seahawks, and we'll get to that later on. But yes, Russell Wilson going back as a Denver Bronco yeah. is gonna be fantastic. I say the NFL yes. just immediately screwing with Pete Carroll like that. And then the real game, like the Super Bowl. They had to make sure Carroll was still there. Yeah, that. it's true. <laughs> the Super Bowl of the 2022 season is week 16. Thursday night football, Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York Jets. Circle it. Are you counting down the days? <laughs> yeah, I actually am. Circle it now. It's yeah. That's a Thursday, that's the game December where they, tr- they uh, that's like that's a test case. Like, will people? You know, what will people yeah, like, watch? Of course, we're uh, all know, gonna like what will they tune into? Like that that might be up against like the Alamo City Bowl, and uh, <laughs> and and they're like they're like, right, can we beat out the Alamo City Bowl? And you know, we'll pro- yeah, I'm sure my other choice yes. will be watching a Mizzou lose a bowl game that night. Um, well, you could pick your poison, I guess. One of our producers, Steven's a big Jaguars fan. I just know right now he's watching this show as producing it, and he's not happy with the way we're talking about his Jaguars. But um, let's get into the NFC and, and specifics. We looked at the schedule, strength of schedule, from a fantasy perspective, win total perspective, and 
Crane, I'll start with you. What is a team that you think is in the NFC right now that's a little bit underrated, quarterback play, win total fantasy perspective, wherever you want to go? I kind of like the Eagles, the over-unders eight and a half. And, um, you know, they traded for A.J. Brown. That's obviously one of the big reasons that that I like them. But I was intrigued last year with the way they played last season. They started very pass-heavy. I believe they set the team record for fewest running back carries in a game uh, early in the season, but then they went really run heavy in the back half of the season. So, you know, they're willing to kind of experiment. And when you have AJ Brown coming in and you've got Devontae Smith entering a second year, you got a really good pass catching tight end. Maybe they're willing to, you know, put the pedal to the floor a little bit more. I also think the commanders are, potentially a, a team that could implode. Oh, I'll get oh good. To implode. Okay, good. I was like, why are you saying the over? <laughs> no. So explode? No way. Oh, wait, like, oh, I, I think, you know, and yeah, yeah. I, I'm not is a Daniel Jones guy. So or what is the, what is the reasoning behind that? I'm curious. I have no, it's, bets a, it's, a, commanders. It, it's very much a Carson Wentz thing. I mean, you look at what, what he's coming from in with the Colts. I think it's very similar to the commanders. I think both teams have pretty good coaching staffs. But the Colts have a better line and a better running game. And they basically had to revert in the second half of the season to just hiding Carson Wentz. And I I think Washington, who did the same thing with Heineke, is going to realize very quickly that they're in that same boat. But they don't have as good of a line and they don't have as good of a running game. So I think it's just going to put more pressure on Wentz, which he doesn't need. So if if you've got the commander situation not working out very well, Daniel Jones, I'm not a believer in. And so I just think the division for the Eagles is not that hard. I could even see the Cowboys being a little bit too run heavy and not really, you know, with, without Amari Cooper, without Michael Gallup healthy to start the season, maybe they play a bit conservative, which has been kind of an issue for them at times. So I think the Eagles can can get some division wins and then uh, their overall strength of schedule is quite easy. I like the Eagles and I bet they're over eight and a half. I got to look at this today and a lot of the same reasons, actually. I think another year with Jalen Hurts. I love the A.J. Brown edition. Another year of head coach Nick Sariani. I'm with you. I think they're actually the best team in their division with a good offense and favorable schedule. So I love the Eagles over eight and a half. What about you, Roto, Pat? Eagles, NFC, what else? Well, I might talk the Eagles in a stunning uh, reversal later for an mm. under that I like. The first over that really stood out to me in the NFC was the Saints, where they're stabilized on offense. You know, they're stabilized at quarterback. They finally have added a few more weapons. Michael Thomas will supposedly maybe play football again this year, although it sounds like still like not for sure. Uh, they have a the right mind leading the defense. They still have a lot of high end defensive talent. The Panthers and Falcons, you know, are just two of the worst teams in the league. And I just I like the Saints, where I think it's still a good enough fifty three man roster where even without Sean Payton, they can get over seven and a half. And just for just a little too much talent, a little too much brain power, and just a division that is not good, over seven and a half felt pretty good for me uh, for the Saints when I was perusing the numbers. Drew, I know you also like the Saints. We talked about it on Bet the Edge earlier in the week. I leaned a little under. You like the over. Is it the Saints or another team that you want to back the over in the NFC? I'm going to go with the Lions, and this is somewhat schedule-based. I thought they got a pretty uh, decent uh, you know, shake here. And honestly, like this feels like a little bit like this, the, the, the football gods are trolling the city of Detroit. Like They're going to do just well enough with 
with uh, Goff this year that they're going to talk themselves into keeping him as, a, and they're not going to have enough draft capital next year to really kind of uh, find a permanent answer at quarterback. Um, but I thought uh, in general, like the talent that they've accumulated is very solid. That's a team that could sneak a, you know, the seventh wild card spot potentially. And I think, uh, you know, rather than going over six and a half, which is plus 120 for the Detroit Lions, I'm probably going to swing away on the yes price for them to make the playoffs and see, see what happens. Because overall, the NFC North is pretty weak. And we, you know, we mentioned that, uh, you know, that, you know, they, they got a bad draw with the Bills on their Thanksgiving game. But, you know, it, it, I realistically think that, uh, you know, that price, if you, you know, they, you know, we've we've got lines up for basically everything. You know, I think that's going to get shorter as we get closer to that game. People are going to talk themselves into the Lions being feisty. You know, some of it based specifically on their schedule being soft at the uh, at the beginning here. So, the Lions, I think win nine games. I think they could steal nine a playoff games. spot. And wow. uh, you know, you're, so, yeah, you're talking if, way uh, over. If, <laughs> Well, six. I mean, this isn't crazy. I mean, they, they were like the Eagles last year were in the six and a half range. They, you know, they won nine games. Like that's not that it's not unusual to see that uh, type of type of leap, particularly when you have a team that's made up of as you know as much young talent as the Lions have accumulated now. So, you know, I, you know, some of this depends on guy like Jamison Williams' availability uh, and uh, how he kind of you know meshes with that offense overall. But you know, there's there you know. I was mostly looking for did they put Jared Goff in disadvantaged situations where he's going to be outside in the rain with his tiny hands, and I don't see a lot of those. So I think realistically, I think realistically he's going to be uh, he's going to be just fine when uh, leading this team. And um, you know, Dan Campbell's got this team playing hard for him. So I think uh, I think the Lions are the team that stood out to me in a positive light. Drew, uh, real quick follow up question: Where I talked about the NFC South as a weak division, you talked about the NFC North as a weak division. Before the pod, I was wondering. Of those two divisions, which division has the better, like, second-place team? We know the Bucks are the clear favorite yeah. in the NFC South. The Packers still the clear favorite in the NFC North. Like, I couldn't decide which of those divisions had the best, second-best team. I know that's a mouthful. I think it's got to be that's the kind of, That's where I ended up as the best, second-best yeah. team. The Vikings are perfectly fine. They're very average. They likely to win eight or nine games this season. I won't be surprised. Um, but, uh, they have some pretty significant polls flaws overall on that roster. Um, and I think if you've matched up Vikings saints on a neutral, you probably have saints minus one. I kind of prefer the Vikings just because you have this potential for them to really embrace the pass this year and they can embrace the pass compared to what they've been under Zimmer and still be kind of like a Rams type of balance team. But you, you could have a big shift to the pass with them, which would be, I think, quite beneficial for them. I mean, using Justin Jefferson in some more creative ways, moving him around the formation more. I think there's some upside with the Vikings. I don't love their over at eight and a half. I don't love the Saints over at eight and a half. But between the two, I think I'd, I'd bet the Vikings. When I was looking at the NFC North and NFC South earlier this morning, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you have to play the favorite to come out of the division or probably not play it at all. Other divisions, you could find a lot of value, the AFC West, for example. But I, I think I side with both of you, with the Saints, maybe the Vikings. It's honestly tough because the rest of the divisions are pretty weak. Um, so those are some overs that we all like, right? The Saints, I know we like the Eagles, Crane and myself. Are there any other overs that you guys have targeted in the NFC before we move to unders that you're like, hey, this is a good bet. Get involved now. Kind of didn't want to say it out loud. Say it. But when I saw the Seahawks six and a half, I'm like, don't say can, it. 
I'm like, if there's no. one thing Pete Carroll can do, like <laughs> the guy can at least organize like seven victories. I don't know. And I, the whole division, I think, will regress a little bit this year. I, I, I kept it as my second one, kind of hoping you wouldn't throw to us for a second one, but uh, you did, and I, I couldn't help but notice the Seahawks at six and a half. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I don't know about anyone else. Where I think the Seahawks have an atrocious season post Russell era. They're not good. It's a Drew Locke saga. I don't know what to expect from this team. Their defense now has more holes. I like the under. It's juiced to minus 155, so I have not placed any money on the Seahawks. Anyone else have thoughts on Seattle? I like the under, too. <laughs> Thank you, Crane, for yeah, not leaving me. I'm like, I'm the only one seeing this under, and it looks pretty good. They could trade for Baker Mayfield and hit the under. Yeah, I wouldn't lay the minus 155 right. on under six and a half. Later in this cycle, you're going to see some alt-unders. I would take like under four and a half if you could give me plus money on that. Like, because either either Drew Locke works out and they, you know, because Pete, so if there's one thing Pete Carroll does well, it's develop talent. Like, that's kind of the last kind of card in it. You know, he, he gets, he motivates his guys. He gets them, you know, gets them playing hard for him. Uh, but he can develop some young talent. If he develops the young players on this roster, then they could win seven, I suppose. But the Drew Locke experience looks like a disaster waiting to happen. The team, it, you know, is completely stripped of talent at so many different positions that matter. Um, and they have tripled down now on the oh, I was going to say, Drew, maybe you don't strap, know they have so. three good running backs. Uh, you not heard? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, so those guys are going to be uh, all kind of platooning to, you know, you know, as catch pass catchers was when they're down 21 uh, in most of the games this season. You know, I, I really, I just don't, the vision doesn't feel like it's, it's uh, kind of, in step with today's NFL really at all. And again, like Locke might be an absolute dumpster fire. Might, so might be, uh, might, I mean, I, Will be. like, I, like I'll be completely frank. Geno Smith might win this job in preseason. I, it, I will not be surprised if Geno Smith ultimately starts. What do you think if they acquire Baker Mayfield does over six and a half look any better or no? It definitely looks better. Zip. It definitely looks better, but I, I does, do you get the sense that they're interested? No, in that I get all? the sense that though they very clearly don't want us to think they're interested, and I just kind of don't understand how they couldn't. What do you interested? think their win total would be? Let's say they get Baker Mayfield. Would this? What would the win total become? I think yeah, they keep think it at so six too. and a half, but the juice mm. juice flattens a little. Maybe more even yeah. to each side. Okay, we'll yeah. see what happens. We'll keep an eye on the Seahawks, regardless with their win total heavy juice to the under. So. Talked about some teams, and obviously I like the under for the Seahawks. That was one of mine. But let's go into some maybe overrated teams. You look at their win total, we're thinking, this is inflated. I'm attacking the under. There's a lot of high win totals on the board, especially in the NFC. Karain, I will start with you. Unders, you're targeting. Well, I talked about the Commanders, and, and that's probably my favorite. I think, you know, they could definitely just crater. Although I do think the coaching staff's pretty good. So uh, maybe they maybe they salvage it. But it's it's a too too high of a win total for me seven and a half the other one i like is the bears oh yeah generally if i'm gonna you know bet a team over i would want them to definitely be trying to win and they don't seem to be assembling a roster that's built to win they're they don't seem to believe in their quarterback and they're not setting him up to succeed you know the velas jones pick in the third round i mean velas jones is a very very good kick returner and punt returner but not necessarily the best pick you're you're trying to make to help out a quarterback as an actual receiver. They're going in with just a, a really poor depth chart at, at receiver, and I'm just not sure that you know the Bears are going to be able to 
really like maximize what they have in fields. And we saw that last year where they weren't really calling plays to his skill set, weren't really building an offense that suited him. This doesn't seem like it's really gotten any better. So, uh, mm. yeah, I, I, I like the under at six and a half there. Okay. Roto Pat? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I know that it's we. it'd probably be more interesting if we were taking some of the higher totals and saying, oh, no, no you know what, the Packers are going there, but – the Bears is six and a half. I just feel like the Bears is like they could set it at two and a half, and I'd be like, oh, you know, I might take the other. Uh, or like yeah, the odds aren't particularly enticing. Like if you're like a real gambler, which of course I'm not, but like I just feel like there's no six and a half to struck me as shockingly high for the Bears, where it's essentially an expansion level <laughs> roster. Uh, you know, they had the historically good defense in 2018. And they regressed like surprisingly slowly off that. Like they stayed even after Vic Fangio left. They stayed kind of a formidable defense for several mm-hmm. seasons. That that ended last year. Like Crane said, they new front office, new coaching staff clearly does not have belief in Justin Fields, and they're basically throwing Justin Fields out there like, "Hey, if you want to be the franchise player, that's great, but we're not going to make it any easier for you, and you're just going to have to be a superstar, basically." And they're not trying this year. The the one saving grace could be kind of a weak division where again, even like the clear favorite in the Packers are you know, like clearly weakened off their recent form. Um, But it's just the Bears. I I don't see any path to seven victories for the Bears in 2022. We agree. And I will make the case that the Packers under is I mean, yeah, I think so too. Um, Uh It's 11 and a half. (sighs) That is a big old number. And honestly, um, the Packers have tripled down on defense. Okay. You know, not really sure what the vision is for roster building there. You let, you know, you let Devontae Adams go, and you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is basically he's eating up so much of your cap that you, you know, that the team is mm-hmm. deficient in talent in so many areas. Um, they're going to need some exceptional luck, I think, to get to that twelve win to go over twelve. I mean, twelve and five is. I mean, that's a, that would be a really, really good season for these guys. The way I look at this roster right now. And I wasn't intending to get involved in the Packers until we saw the schedule, but they got a couple of very, very yeah. rough stretches. The entire middle of the schedule, October 23rd to December 4th, they have five road games in seven weeks, including at the Bills, including at the Eagles. And, um, you know, it, it and then their home games in that stretch, they host the Cowboys and the Titans, which are not, you know, those are not easy games. So um, that seven week stretch right there through the middle of their season, if they go four and three, that's a victory for them. And there's three losses that you need out of the six to get you that under. It's not crazy to me that, uh, you know, that the the Packers ultimately win the NFC North with a 10 and seven type of record. I think there's room for that under 11 and a half. And I would even shop, find some under 10 and a half at a better price than minus one. There's some really high win totals. Go ahead. Well, I just curious, Drew, if you'd feel any differently if they sign a wide receiver, because it seems like they're going to sign somebody. Um, and, you know, I know like Jarvis Landry isn't moving the line or anything, but, you know, it, it feels a little bit better for what they have in terms of the pass catchers if they bring in a Landry or Julio. And what if they sign both, Corrine? They could sign both. <laughs> Does that change anything? For doesn't you? doesn't move the, It doesn't move the needle for me a ton. I mean, ultimately, could Aaron Rodgers – turn one of those guys into, which we've seen him do uh, time you know, after something. time in game yeah he, he could turn one of those guys into somebody that you know to a much higher level than what we currently expect from them that's entirely possible but there are enough red flags with that organization overall and sort of how they're 
getting along or really lack of getting along uh, that concern me. I had like, man, I had a uh, like a mind melting reaction to Matt LaFleur, like being interviewed going into halftime of that Niners game where he was literally like, no, you know, everything's fine. Like, you know, everything's, you know, no, no problems. No, no, nothing to worry about. Don't need to make any adjustments here. Right. And they come out in the second half and they just, it, it was such an uninspiring performance from every level. And he did so little to help, help Aaron Rodgers that, um, you know, this, if things go sideways, Aaron's already got his paycheck. I, you know, I could see this turning into a blame game and, you know, and uh, just, it's just an un happy marriage uh, is the feeling that I got between those two guys um, on top of the fact that you, we already know the general manager and Aaron Rodgers don't especially get along. So um, yeah, a lot of red flags for me in green Bay. And, you know, I think you're, you know, I, you're afraid, yeah, you're afraid Rodgers don't, don't have to trying to buy Twitter it. midway through the season. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, basically. Yeah. They, there's to the degree to which, I mean, honestly, like, I'm sure he was considering walking away from the sports sincerely. Like, I don't think that that was a, you know, that mm -hmm. was a joke at all. I think. And, and the fact that, you know, Brady kind of scooped him on that, the dollars from Fox for, you know, you know, when he ultimately retires, um, you know, that's going to, that's going to weigh on him because he clearly likes doing the Pat McAfee show. He clearly right. likes, you know, the being on camera and, you know, his persona, you know, being expressed via, you know, the media side of things as much or more than he likes playing football for at this point. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, first it's not going to be marks for sure. Yeah. In that team. There's another one that I want to get to before we move on to the AFC, you guys, Tampa Bay sitting at 11 and a half as well. Again, one of these ones that came across kind of, as I was looking at points at win totals last night and this morning, because they have a challenging schedule, you could argue. To open the season, they play the Cowboys, Saints, Packers, Chiefs. When they play in Munich, they have their bye. Then they're at Cleveland. The Saints, who we know they've not played the Saints well historically. Tom Brady hasn't. So this is a really high win total. I like the under, especially with Tom Brady's age. We've seen him be able to come back from not the best, you know, regular season, suffer some losses, okay to play on the road in the playoffs. I personally like the under on Tampa Bay at 11 and a half. Does that intrigue you guys? Sitting at minus 110, both over and under. I thought hard about that, but there's too many gimmies. It's uh, you're going to need something to break your way out of like that kind of mix of games where they're going to be four, five point favorites. You're, they're going to need to lose a bunch of those. Um, and, uh, you know, with Tom Brady involved, it's, it's tough for me to really feel too excited about that. That one, one intrigues me a bit because, uh, you know, Brady has had a tendency to kind of lock on to his favorite receivers and, mm -hmm. Luckily, he's had a bunch of guys that he likes in Tampa Bay, and but that they don't have Antonio Brown anymore, and Chris Godwin is not going to be healthy to start the season probably. So you saw in the playoffs that the, they kind of changed up what they were doing with Mike Evans and using him on some more kind of shallow stuff so that Brady could kind of pepper him. But I don't know if Russell Gage is ultimately going to have that chemistry with Tom Brady. So you could have a bit of a, a, a slow start to the passing game for the Buccaneers if you know teams really – start to understand that Mike Evans is, is kind of the outlet guy and the only real big play guy. So, you know, it, it down the stretch with the Patriots, we kind of saw this. It was once the pass-catching talent started to get a little thin there, Brady didn't look the same. I th the under is also interesting to me just in terms of, like, they could kind of sleepwalk to win this division. I mean, that's right. never been Tom Brady's mentality. It's never anyone's mentality in the NFL, really. But, like, 
the stakes maybe aren't as high as they've been a few of these past where like they could have, they could like endure a rough stretch or two where like, it won't feel like, like a civil civilizational type stakes for them if they lose a few That's games. A good point. But, um, I don't, I don't know if that actually makes sense. Uh, the Pats, the Pats have uh, sold me actually on this, that first four, there are enough, there are some games where they're going to be favorites, you know, small favorites that they could lose. Surely the Cowboys and Saints. We know they always play poorly against the Saints. That's a tough one to start. They and then they go Packers, mm-hmm. Packers, Chiefs next to little revenge tour right. for uh, the teams they ousted at the end of. Not to mention the time zones there. they're going to be flying through. You got me in on that last year, yeah. too, looking at their schedule of ridiculous travel. So yeah, they're playing, yeah. they're playing in Munich. Uh, right. Wow. Uh, kind of a rough road trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Munich is yeah, a tough Munich, place. That's, that's famously tough. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk more about flights in a minute. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Quick programming reminder for you. Don't forget about our Bet the Edge game time show Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Drew and I will get you armed with all the last minute inside information and trends you need to know to make your wagers before the games begin. So make sure to check it out on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Flight times and all, let's get into the AFC and shift gears a little bit. Drew, I begin with you with the win totals. A few teams in the AFC. You think they're a little underrated? We're betting the over. What say you? The Browns got an amazing gift of a schedule. And I was curious what the NFL was going to do because there's a lot of questions swirling, obviously, about Deshaun Watson's availability early in this season. But holy smokes, what a what a what a soft landing. I am blown away. They get at Panthers, Jets, Steelers, at Falcons, first four. Um, even if Watson's unavailable for those games, that's four wins by my math. Um, and then it gets tough towards the middle. They get Chargers, Pats, Ravens, Bengals, but their f- landing is soft as well. They get uh, Saints, Commanders, Steelers, their final three games. Texans towards the end of their schedule is a nice one. Uh, you know, it's it's. I was not expecting to have anything positive to say about Cleveland, really, because I was hoping that they were going to get uh, kind of a, a bad draw here. But the NFL did them a solid. So true that the, the Deshaun Watson situation, you. just because of the opening schedule, doesn't concern you at all. Because I'm afraid afraid of betting into this Browns market because of that. Yeah, no, that I mean that that's not crazy. Um, it's a, uh, and I mean I you know I, it's unlikely that you're going to find a ton of liquidity for a Browns over anyway, because of the uncertainty right. involved there. But, uh, and you know, 
the fact that we haven't really seen the needle move in tor- in in the direction of them giving him suspension even to this point um means maybe it's not coming anytime mm-hmm. soon so um yeah that uh, that one's interesting because i honestly like my ratings between browns bengals and ravens was pretty flat across the afc north and i was very interested to see who got sort of the best sequencing and of those three teams i think the browns got the best sequencing irrespective of whatever happens to deshaun watson uh and then we'll get to it later but uh, there is one team that very clearly got the worst uh, and I think it makes for a good under, uh, and, uh, but, I'll, but I'll save the drama. Save the drama. Okay, we're looking for overs to back. Browns for Drew, Roto, Pat. What stood out when you look at the schedules in the AFD? I just got a really bad feeling the team, I would say the over on. Drew is it the Ravens? Drew is planning the under on. I was going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, was that the team you're thinking, Drew? No, okay. no, no, no. Drew, reveal your team. Because no, no, Drew, save your team. Save your but what team. if I'm about to give a whole save thing it. about the over? Now I'm paranoid. No, no one wants to be. No one wants to be immediately undermined by Drew. Like, uh, I'm sticking with it. Okay, go ahead, Rodopak. You're over that you like. Well, so like you know, the Chiefs people are zeroing in on like this murderous schedule. We're like. You know, at one point they have the Chargers, the Rams, the Bengals, Russell Wilson's Broncos, you know, very, very tough division. But I think we're still like overestimating the rest of this division a little bit. And not that people are like underestimating the Chiefs, but I mean, I feel like with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, like your absolute floor is nine to 10 victories. And that means you really only need to like scare up one or two other victories to hit the over. And I just like, if I like run the simulation like a hundred times, there's not many times where I feel like it's coming up with only 10 victories for the chiefs. And I, I think the onus is still like on the rest of the division, like prove like, it's just like three. I, I, I'm trying to like, uh, like the, I just not sold on the, like the, is the Broncos situation that much different than Russell Wilson's with the Seahawks? Like how high can the Raiders ceiling truly be with Derek Carr, you know, in this division, like, are the Chargers just going to be the Chargers? And the Chiefs did a pretty good job of rebuilding the offense after losing Tyree Kill. Like maybe, you know, not as nearly as much star power, but I think like they effectively replaced Tyree Kill. They kind of did it with two or three different players, but like they replaced the skills that departed at least. And I, I just think when, when your floor, I, I just genuinely believe there's no way a team with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid could win fewer than nine or 10 games. And it's so easy to envision the path to 11. But I, Chiefs over 10 and a half looked very, very sensible to me. I think a lot of people will bet into the Kansas City Chiefs just because of the popularity, and we've seen what their offense can do over the last few seasons. What about you, Corrine? I like the Colts. Uh, they have a very easy schedule. Uh, nine and a half is like a little higher than I'd like, but I think that with you know the upgrade from Wentz to Matt Ryan, I do think it's an upgrade, even though you know it costs less to get uh, Ryan than they got for trading Wentz, but they kind of have a very clear idea of what they want this offense to be. I think they've got very solid offensive line. They've got Jonathan Taylor. I like the addition of Alec Pierce. I think he's a very solid field stretcher. There's like no confusion about the type of player that he is. He's very athletic downfield type of guy. I don't know that he's going to see a ton of targets, but I think he's going to make Michael Pittman's life a lot easier. And I think Matt Ryan is going to, you know, find, operating behind this pretty good offensive line to be a lot easier than what he was dealing with in Atlanta. I'm also not a huge fan of uh, the Titans this year. I think the Titans, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a little shakier. Uh, I think, 
you know, if, if I'm betting against the Jaguars, that always feels pretty comfortable. And the Texans, I, I don't, they don't scare me at all. So, you know, this division uh, makes me feel better about the Colts. And I think this is a well-coached team. So, you know, just, I, you know, I wish it was like nine, but I do, I do like the Colts. The over is juiced, uh, over nine and a half, minus 125 at points bet. Good schedule for the Colts breaking with Houston, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Tennessee. You're not high on them. Denver then in the first five. I'm curious to get your opinion on Matt Ryan. One of our researchers, Johnny, is a big Matt Ryan lover. And Drew and I were talking to him off air for a little bit yesterday. And I started thinking about what he could do with this Colts team. What are your realistic expectations for Matt Ryan now at this stage of his career? One thing about Matt Ryan and the Falcons was just that I don't know if any quarterback in the NFL has taken more sacks over the past three or four years. And that could be part of Matt Ryan, like being Stonehenge now and having like zero mobility whatsoever, but he's never had an offensive line like this. And I think more than anything, that was his problem the past three or four years. The Falcons tried endless solutions to fix their offensive line and just never came close to doing it. Now that, I mean, the weapons are not amazing on the Colts. They're about the same but Matt Ryan was working with last year. I mean, a little better than what he was working with last year, but just that he just got hit. So there were so many plays where Matt Ryan has never even had a chance the past two or three years. And if, if that biggest issue is fixed, which it should be with this offensive line, it is easy to see kind of like the late career Matt Ryan resurgence beginning. You also saw in the beginning of the year that the Colts were passing a lot on first and 10. And they were kind of, they're doing like all of these kind of small edge things that helped the passing game. They use play action. They use motion. They, they pass on first and 10. They, they kind of packed all that in at the end of the season. And we're like, we're just running the ball. We're just hiding Carson Wentz. <laughs> and I think they might get back to some of that early season stuff a bit, which, which helps quarterbacks, which helps, uh, you know, if Matt Ryan's, if a high percentage of his attempts are coming on downs and situations that are easy, you know, he's going to have a better season than we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, most completion under pressure last year, ironically enough, for Matt Ryan. And over, I like that. I'm very afraid that Drew is going to come on in our next segment and give the under. I'll say it. It's the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, it's not it. I like over nine and a half wins. Thank you for sparing us, Drew. Thank you, Drew. I got nervous sweating that out for the next few minutes. I'm like, just tell me. I like over nine and a half, you guys. They got back six starters. We know awful injuries last season. Lamar Jackson, end of his fifth-year option of his rookie deal playing for something. I love Lamar Jackson. And then they have an early – this is an interesting one that Drew's really got me into over the last year, talking about looking at their odds throughout the season, seeing if you get – get a better price. And this is a team I think you can, because they have a really tough stretch early on dolphins, Patriots, bills, Bengals. Um, but then after that really easy schedule playing the Steelers twice, obviously we'll see how they are this year and an easy flight schedule. If you look at where they're traveling all pretty close at the end of the season. So the over for the Ravens over nine and a half, love their coaching staff, getting a lot of players backing Lamar Jackson. That is my favorite over in the AFC. Any other overs that you guys are looking to target before we bet some unders. I've got another Seahawks one that I didn't really want to say. <laughs> I love that you save it for last. Let's hear it. This, all, all I'm going to say is I saw four and a half for the Texans, and I'm like, say what you will about this franchise. Lovey Smith does organize good defenses, which he did last year. It's a really poor division right now. I mean, it, it won't be poor – if the Titans stay like at a high level, like a 10 or 11 win level, then you have the Titans and the Colts making it a fairly difficult division, but it's not the world's best division. I think like 
this they can like organize themselves to four to five wins alone. And it'll probably be close, but I, I felt like the Texans are going over four and a half. I'm going to send you. This a is way more defensible than the Seahawks one. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see them getting five wins. I mean, Love. Davis Mills, am I right? Uh, not I right. <laughs> I don't know. Are you? We're going to be head trader later at points put in the show later, and I'm going to have to no, ask some of the spreads that he's probably thinking about for the Texans and how many points they could be dogs by throughout. Oh my season. gosh! Yeah, let's I not guess, do that. If you, if you want, if you want something, if you want something positive to hang out on about the Texans, like their roster is better than last year's. Last year's roster was like all time bad, and they still managed what three, four wins. They, so, yeah, five? I mean, it's not. It's not. No, maybe it was four. I think they went four and thirteen. That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, that it was. That was that was a bad, bad, bad team last year, and they still managed their way to four wins. Somehow. One more win, and that's um, five. It isn't. Yeah. There you go. The check's basically cashing itself. Um. <laughs> Let's look at some teams <laughs> that were betting the under. Drew Densick, under AFC teams. What do you got? Yeah, there's one that stands out above the rest, and it is last year's Super Bowl participants, oh. runner-uppers, the Cincinnati Bengals. It's tough to wrap my head around a more horrific final month and a half of the regular season than what the NFL did to this team. Um, Coming off of their bye, they got two tough road games, I guess. Steelers at Steelers at Titans. And then it goes absolutely sideways on them. They get Chiefs, Browns, Bucks, Pats, Bills, Ravens to close the season. Is there one? more than one win in there like like they're really 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 going to be tested down the home stretch here sequencing you know aside like the overall schedule is is very very challenging um and uh, you know it's it's a it's a team that i think a lot of people kind of were you know looked past some of the luck that was involved with their run last year really when it's when when, when it's kind of put on paper they needed a lot of things to go right to win the AFC North in the first place. And, uh, you know, I think just because they got to the Super Bowl, you may be getting a little bit of uh, an inflated price on the expectation of this team this year. They still have a lot of holes in the roster. We still don't. I, just, I look at Zach Taylor as more of a coach who was um, on the right side of some high variant stuff last year than a guy that has a scheme that is repeatable and, and, uh, and, and out of this world good. They made a lot of investments in the pass protection, so presumably you get you know a little bit more comfortable situation for Joe Burrow to operate in this year. But the difficulty of opponents, particularly after their buy, is something that I just can't get past. They're going to need to le- legitimately be eight and one through the first nine weeks of the season if they're going to um, you know repeat as AFC North champions. And realistically, I think a seven and ten season is uh, what I would project considering the schedule. Yeah, it's nine and a half, the over-under. What would it have been if they had just lost to the Raiders in the wild card round? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if yeah, if uh, if the are. football doesn't doink off of the um, Bengals defender who was running backwards his helmet and the Raiders <laughs> score a touchdown at the end of that game, is this a nine and a half? That's a very fair question. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Okay, so that's, that's a good look for an under. I like that sitting at nine and a half. Roto Pat, any unders? Yeah, I mean, just kind of playing off the Chiefs theme, I, it's 10 and a half just strikes me as very, very high for the Broncos, where, I mean, Russ's supporting cast is really good, but it's arguably, at least from a skill core perspective, not as good as it was in Seattle. They have a 
total unknown defensive coordinator coming in and replacing Vic Fangio. It's a defense kind of low on star power. The offensive line is fine, but it's not like terribly different than Russ's kind of like annually shaky Seahawks offensive lines. And just, it just feels very aspirational for me in a, you know, a really, really tough division with you know the best player on the planet. Probably, I was talking of Josh Allen earlier. Like, is maybe the most exciting, but Patrick Mahomes is still the best player on the planet. And just, I just don't know if I see an eleven win. Broncos team coming out of this AFC West gauntlet this year. The AFC West is just going to beat each other up. That's half the battle too, to try to get wins. Um, Crane and under that you're looking at that you think offers some value to people. I'll stick with the AFC West. I kind of like the Raiders under (laughs) (laughs) eight and a half. uh, You know, that feels like they, they feel like the little brother of this division. Like, you know, you can talk yourself into Russ sticking with Herbert and sticking with Mahomes. I definitely get the argument against that, but I really do struggle to see Derek Carr doing that. And I think, you know, the coaching change will make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll be playing probably more three wide receiver sets, uh, you know, tilting the offense more to the pass, which they'll, which they'll need to in this division. But I mean, you could see Herbert take another step forward this year. You got Mahomes. It's just gonna be so tough for the Raiders and they have a really difficult schedule overall. It's not just the division. So that, that's one I like is an under. And then another one I like is the Titans. You know, I talked about liking the Colts. Uh, they have a tough – They their schedule isn't that tough to start the year, but they, they're in a difficult spot to start the year because they've got Robert Woods coming back from an injury. He's not going to be healthy. And I really like Traylon Burks as a prospect. But if you're yeah. relying on your, your rookie wide receiver – a rookie wide receiver is your number one option generally does not lead to a lot of passing attempts. You know, most teams are going to go run heavy when when they've got a rookie as their number one guy. And the Titans are already extremely run heavy. And I was not impressed last year with what they did off of the run. They ran a lot less play action than they did with Arthur Smith. And you also saw Derrick Henry, his efficiency was not the same. He took on a ton of volume. So, you know, he got there for production purposes, but Foot, foot injury ends the season, and you did not see him with the same breakaway numbers, with the same rush yards over expected. That's a concern for me as he's going to be 28 this season, that you, if you're dependent on Derrick Henry to kind of carry your offense through the early part of the season, maybe Derrick Henry is slowing down a little bit in the second part of the season. So overall, I just think the Titans are a pretty, pretty nice, comfortable under bet at nine and a half. I like the Titans under look as well. Tough schedule. We'll see if Malik Willis causes a little bit of uproar in that locker room in general. You want to know an interesting stat that I came across. One of our researchers pointed out real quick in terms of Las Vegas. They had 10 wins last season with a a minus 65-point differential. The latest, the furthest we can go back was 2003, but just to talk about their defense in general. But, yes, the Raiders, I didn't place a bet. I kind of like the over eight. Now we're looking at eight and a half. I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm staying away, but we'll get to uh, division winners in a second. What did we just go through five unders yeah. there? I think I think that's a clean sweep. Honestly. We're going to come back into the season. We'll clip I mean, this. The, I, yeah. The Bron- well, the Broncos one is especially interesting to me because you look at that schedule, they're going to be favored by more than three points in, I think, two games. Like it's it's just it's mm. too many coin flips to get to to get to 11. 
Like that's that's a that's a tall ask. Similarly, uh, I you know going back to the Bengals, I only have them as three point favorites in four games. Uh, yeah, it, it's it, this is going to be a rough. This is going to be rough for some of these teams in the AFC to get above five hundred. I think yeah, it's I think frustrating. By the way, listening to Crane make so many good points about the Titans and just knowing they'll somehow win twelve games. <laughs> 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 I mean, worst case scenario, coach of the year, Mike Rabel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's not actually a good coach. They also have a really tough schedule. If you look at the middle after yep. their weeks, they have a bye week in week six. Colts, Houston, Kansas City host Denver, Green Bay host Cincy, and then they go to Philly, which I know we in our agreement that we think Philly's a good team. That's a tough schedule for the Titans this season. I love the ender there. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Padres facing it against the Braves in Atlanta on Sunday, May 15th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on both NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to peacocktv.com MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. The time has come where our over-unders in the NFC and now the AFC are locked in. And I love a lot of our plays, but this is going to be fun as we start to look at the divisions and the futures market. And if we could hone in on one division, any division you want, let's begin in the NFC. I want your guys one pick where you feel most confident, juicy odds, whatever it may be, that you're like, I feel confident this team is going to win a division in the NFC. Drew, I'll start with you. What do you think? I don't see one. <laughs> In the NFC, honestly, I was going to try to make a case for the Rams, but I think the Rams got a challenging schedule and I'm, you know, I mean, the Niners and the Rams are pretty close to even match. Um, so, you know, that was the one that I had hoped for. Um, but uh, it's going to be wide open. I think uh, I, you know, similarly, I was going to make a case for the Bucks, but uh, that first four could be own four for them. Um, I think, um, you know, if there's a team that has, you know, perception has cooled a little bit. Uh, that may be slightly undervalued at this point. Uh, it may be the Dallas Cowboys, but they're minus 120 at points bet right now. That's not a bettable number. So uh, I think in the NFC, you're going to have to wait until the first four weeks of the season are wrapped and then try to scoop some value on a team like the Buccaneers. Because, you know, like, like we're talking about, the Buccaneers are 0-4 and some other team in the NFC South, like the Saints, is 2-2 two and two or even 3-1. and one. Um, then you might get a really nice price on the uh, Bucks uh, after that uh, kind of extended preseason is over. And I think it's we haven't mentioned it to this point in the show, but the NFL is different now with the 17 game schedule. At least the way that the teams are approaching this, and uh, totally. you know, much two two things happen. We have a 17 game schedule, and only one team gets the buy now. And so there has definitely been a de-emphasis on really pushing yourself through the regular season, and it's become much more of just. How sharp are you at the end of the season and how healthy are you at the end of the season? And I think because of that, there's just going to be a little bit more, uh, you know, chaos in these markets uh, this season. Okay. NFC, not really a true play. Curry, and I see you. Yeah, I agree. No one jumps out as like, you know, kind of the obvious ones, but I kind of like the Cardinals at plus 325. You've got uh, who knows what the San Francisco 49ers are doing in terms of the the quarterback situation. You know, maybe they're going Garoppolo again, but they're probably going Trey Lance. And they still Lance have CJ Beathard. Yeah, they could go Beathard. <laughs> Lance Lance didn't really look that good in in the limited sample that we saw, and they're not really putting on you know the the media press about how good he's uh, of an off season he has, which is maybe slightly concerning for for you know what he looks like right now. Uh, I I think Lance has upside, but you know to get a good number on the Cardinals. 
where you, you maybe are just competing with the Rams. And look, I, I definitely want to bet against Cliff Kingsbury in the playoffs, but I think maybe he can he can captain them to uh, to a division win. Uh, to the, I'll be to curious the to see if you can get a better number on the Cardinals. And we talk about trying to get the best number in the betting space because DeAndre Hopkins, obviously not available available mm. at the beginning. Maybe, Chiefs week one, mm-hmm, too. Chiefs week one. Wait a few weeks. See how that plays out. I bet you can get a five to one looking at the Cardinals. Yeah, I like that. I just want to, yeah, coming back real quick. I really wanted to be cold on the Niners. But they got four of the worst teams in the NFL in the first six weeks. No one was worth like, the betting San Francisco got, Niners than me last season. Uh, so no, no I, was I was worse, worse. Uh, for sure. I was worse. No, no, for sure. But yeah, like if they're if they're you know they get at Bears, Seahawks, at Panthers, at Falcons, all in the first six weeks. Um, if there was ever a soft landing for a guy like Lance, that's it. So they could they could stink early and still be four and two. It's a fair point to look at the Niners in their futures market. All right, Roto Pat, NFC Division champ. Anyone, any team that you think is a good bet right now. Well, Drew is making the counter case, and the odds are definitely not enticing at minus 304, but I just see no way the Bucks don't win the day of the NFC South at the end of the day. And it's weird, Drew honed in on their extremely difficult schedule to begin the year, and he didn't even mention the Saints' extremely easy schedule to begin the year, which is at Atlanta yeah, versus the Bucks at Carolina. How is every team playing the Panthers in the first three <laughs> games of the season, by the way? <laughs> versus the Vikings and versus the Seahawks, but – I mean, what is the absolute ceiling of this Bucks team? Like, it's pro or excuse me, of the Saints team, it's probably 10, 11 wins, and like the the most like like outlier outcome there is. I'd say it'd be 11 wins for the Saints, and I still just think the floor is nine to 10 victories for the Bucks. And at the at the end of the day, I just even with that brutal beginning of the season schedule, I mean. There's nothing more brutal on the schedule than playing Tom Brady. I think that's probably still just like two and two for the Bucks. And of all the divisions in the NFL, not just the NFC, I do feel the most confident saying like that the NFC South, the Bucks will figure out a way mm-hmm. to win the division. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I think that's the reason they're such a heavy favorite, right? It's hard to go against them and not see them winning that division. I'll give you one. I like the Eagles to win the NFC East. You can get that at plus 230. I know Crane and I talked about the Eagles and their win total over. But if you look at the start of their schedule, Lions, Vikings, Commanders, Jaguars, and then when they go to play the Arizona Cardinals, again, no DeAndre Hopkins there. Um, I like their head coach. I like the quarterback. I like A.J. Brown. I like this team, honestly, clearly. So I'll take the Eagles at plus 230 with that juicy price with the Cowboys, and we could reevaluate as we get deeper into the season. But that's my favorite NFC East division team. But let's move on to the AFC. I think it's easier to find a little value, especially kind of live betting these markets. We've talked a lot about the AFC West. Rotopad, I'll start with you. AFC division winner, one that you feel particularly confident about. Again, yeah, there's not like amazing value uh, with this pick. Uh, what is it at again here? I missed it. But I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills, uh, where I think it's like the bill. Yeah, it's minus 200. So, again, not like, again, like I just like view this like as who do I just like by the letter of the law, like ignoring the odds, think is the most likely to win their division. And I, I find it very difficult to make a case for anyone other than the Bills and the AFC who are, you're, they're in like their finishing touches phase as a team, they had like a finishing touches off season where they're just adding like, you know, they had guys like Jameson Crowder and OJ Howard who are, who are like role players, but like guys who make the, the offense like so deep, kind of like almost the level of the bucks the past year or two where like 
even if their entire first string got hurt, uh, in theory, they still have at least like a serviceable second string. They just have always made all the adjustments under Sean McDermott. You know, the season was kind of going the wrong direction last year after Thanksgiving, but they, they made the adjustment where they finally fixed their running game. And it wasn't just from mm-hmm. like running more though. Like they didn't just run for the sake of it. They finally just figured out how to, how to run smarter, you know, like the too high safety disease affecting quarterbacks around the NFL does not affect Josh Allen the same way. Since if you go too high, look against him over and over again, at some point he's just going to run for 38 yards, you know, tuck it and run. And uh, I just, the Patriots are not there. The dolphins are not there. The uh, New York football jets uh, not there. And I have a very, very hard time. I mean, I'm going total chalk with the bucks and the bills, but like this, it's not just like the division for the Bills is taking. I, I do think the Bills are like the overall NFL favorite in 2022. I think agreed. And we'll get into our way too early Super Bowl predictions, but I have a feeling a lot of us like the Bills out of the AFC. Corrine, what about you? AFC division markets? Anything? Well, I, I think I may be stealing your pick. I like the Ravens. I think the Ravens are, are pretty nice, plus 200. Mm-hmm. I, I like Love the it. points that Drew made about the Bengals got the the suspension hanging over the Browns who knows what's going to happen there and the Ravens are just they just weren't the Ravens last year there's so many things that kind of went wrong from the running backs getting hurt so they couldn't operate the the same hyper efficient wrestling scheme they they normally do Lamar got hurt the secondary completely just just crumbled and and teams were able to just completely light them up through the air um forcing them to pass more so they were just like playing left-handed all season I think with Dobbins back and I know losing Marquise Brown is, is going to hurt some, but they're another team that could sign mm-hmm. someone. And Rashad Bateman, I think is, is quite capable as, you know, hopefully kind of a one a or one B type to whoever they sign. So I think they're going to probably get that part figured out. And then, uh, you know, I do think that, that having Dobbins back helps them a lot and obviously hopefully a healthy season from Lamar. Love that look. One of my favorites as well for them to come out of the AFC North plus 200 huge fan of their head coach, which always helps when you're looking at win totals and future markets bets too, to make the right decision. So I'm all in on that. Let's go Ravens. Um, Drew, nothing on the NFC. I know the AFC, you got something. Uh, yeah, I'll go against you guys and take the Browns at two to one, largely because I think they start four and zero, and I don't think that's even really that controversial. Um, if I'm and and will I come back and protect that if the Ravens drift out to six to one? Yes, I think because I ultimately I see that as a two horse race. Um, the uh, and I guess just in general, like keep an eye op- out for um, a delayed suspension for Watson, like maybe the 2023 season, he misses the first four or eight games or something like that because of the way they structured that contract. Like even if they suspend him, it doesn't really hit him any in a financial sense if they do it this year. Um, so the NFL may sit on that for a little bit. The um, the other one that really stands out to me, a team that got pretty unlucky last year and has one of the most talented rosters is the Los Angeles Chargers. Have not mentioned them to this point in the podcast, but plus 250 I think is a fair play. They get the, um, you know, they get an also get a relatively soft landing among the um, uh, AFC team, AFC West teams. And, uh, you know, they have, for what it's worth, played the Chiefs extremely closely in the uh, uh, Justin Herbert era. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, uh, you know, they realistically make sense at plus 250. So we have over 100 days. Sorry. We have over 100 days till till the football season, NFL season starts. But we do have to give our early Super Bowl predictions. I could see some of the teams and divisions that each of you like. Drew, I'll go back to you to begin here. Early prediction, who is meeting in the Super Bowl this year? 
Well, we're gonna be uh, Bill's, uh, you know, Bill's mafia <laughs> ride or that. die here at NBC this season, by the sound of it. Um, Josh Allen MVP, Bills to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. I think is uh, who are they playing? I mean, I'm not a Stone Cold Lock guy, but <laughs> if I was, that would be my Stone Cold Lock. Um, NFC, uh, I'll give you a wild card and say it's the Rams. It's a Bills Rams Super Bowl for me this year. It's the Rams jersey that had me guessing that you were going back to the well with the Rams. Yeah, first game and last game of the season, the same. Okay, game. love that. Um, Roto Pat. Yeah, it's the mafia for sure. Uh, it's the it's the year of the Bills. It's just been everything's been building towards this since they lost that coin toss. They the fates were so cruel to them. They will be rewarded in kind in this year. And I, I'm going to go so chalky. And just I do think that the NFC is such a strange conference. It was last year. It is this year. And like when it's when like there's chaos. Like the one man who always seems to emerge is Tom Brady. And I do think it'll be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> versus the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. You know what? I'll just say it quickly. That's my pick. I got the Buffalo Bills jumping off tables. Bills Mafia party of one. This girl with Tom Brady in his final season, leading <laughs> them to the Super Bowl, and then he can go to Fox Sports after. I like the Bills playing the Bucks oh, as well. Karen, you're the final pick for early Super Bowl predictions. Who do you have? Brady walking off into the sunset with another Super Bowl win just makes me so anxious. I, that we can't yeah, let you that know. happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll I'll pick the Chargers just just to kind of mix it up here. You know, obviously the division's so tough, but if they make the playoffs, you know, they can kind of emerge that way. And, and I think they're definitely making the playoffs, uh, unlike unlike last year, unfortunately. But uh, I'll, I'll go with the Chargers, the Justin Herbert, second year in the system. Uh, maybe some fourth down calls go the right way for Staley. Maybe <laughs> Just one. That, please. That analytics. Danny one and I keep begging, let the analytics work once, please. <laughs> so you're saying they're due. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, exactly. they're, they're due. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, analytics yeah. will tell you they're due. I mean, you get a, I think, a pretty nice price on them for just the quality of the quarterback. And it would be very billsy to lose to to yet another very, very strong quarterback instead of going <laughs> to the Super Bowl. So, and I, I guess I'll, I'll pick the uh, the Rams since I, I can't I can't stomach Tom Brady winning right as he goes off to Fox. Uh, so oh, I'll man. go Rams, and it'll be the LA Bowl. We'll reevaluate. Fox covers the Super Bowl, oh by the way. What a conspiracy oh, theory yeah. that's going to be for the uh, for the tinfoil hat guys. Uh, oh, yuck. So, Pat, Karain, you didn't pick the Bills, and we all did, so we're kicking you off the show. Okay. No, in all seriousness, thanks for being on the show. We have a limit in our streaming. We're going to welcome in points bet head trader Jay Croucher momentarily. So, Pat, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. And I look forward to uh, seeing the Bills in the Super Bowl, and we can replay this clip. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, you you're guys. fired, Pat. She was more diplomatic about it, but you have you have been fired. It's been fun. <laughs> the NBC Sports Predictor app doesn't just stick to sports. This weekend, we're giving you a chance to win $5,000 on the Billboard Music Awards Sunday night. The contest is free and easy to play. Just go to the special contest section and click on the red carpet pick'em image. So we said bye to Pat Crane for a little bit because we welcome in Jay Croucher, head trader at PointsBet now. And we've discussed, as you've heard, Jay, all, uh, all show long about win totals, both in the NFC and AFC. We all had our opinions on over-unders. I'm curious, from, from a PointsBet perspective right now, have people been betting a lot on win totals after the schedule release last night? And if so, where has that money come in on? 
Yeah, definitely. I think from the just from the perspective of being able to just visualize how the season is going to progress, whether a team that might be a little shaky has a really tough opening stretch. I think people like to look at those things before they jump in uh, to betting on these markets. So the two teams that have been bet the most with us have been the Eagles over eight and a half. And most of that was after the draft because they had such a good draft. And then a little more uh, out there one, which is the Jets over five and a half, who also had a really good draft. And I actually wouldn't mind that, except for the fact that the Jets have an absolutely brutal schedule. So I think the Jets will be much improved. Uh, they might struggle to get to six wins because of the opposition they're playing. And the Eagles, I think they're a pretty popular pick to, um, to do well this season, to potentially exceed expectations. They had a really easy schedule last year. Uh, so they, weren't, they were kind of a fake playoff team in that sense but you know for all their additions you know with AJ Brown adding Jordan Davis that defensive line I think it just all depends on on Jalen Hurts who we still don't really know if he's any good or not so uh that will definitely be the turning <laughs> point for that team yeah Jay just I want to jump in there real quick that was why I, earlier I almost devil's advocated on eight and a half for the Eagles for the under just because the teams they beat last year were the, the Falcons, Panthers, Lions, Broncos, Saints, Jets, Washington, and the Giants. Like the literal worst teams in the NFL. So that was like the one thing that gave me pause and like not knowing if Jalen Hurts is like actually good. But they have so many fun individual players and like a kind of a fun style, even though they're run heavy. So I understand why why people are going in on them. Yeah, yeah. they're a very they're a strange team. Uh, I think you know they're probably the almost the best, I guess, representation of a totally average team where we make them we make them minus 110 either side to make the playoffs. Uh, they're very good in a lot of areas, but not really great in any area. Uh, so, yeah, they're probably, a, I guess, a low ceiling, high basement team. Um, but at the same time, don't really know where they're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you guys at points bet huge in Illinois, huge in Colorado. <laughs> And there are two interesting teams to talk about in Illinois and Colorado, namely the Bears and the uh, Broncos. It looks to me, at least the way you've juiced the Broncos price, that you are just asking people to play the over 10 and a half. Does that sentiment uh, carry with it some specific, uh, you know, pessimism about that team? And then similarly, the Bears, um, very, very low total. Are you seeing some strong, you know, some, some Bears fans run to the window and bet that over? Yeah, it's very nice of you to describe the Bears as an interesting team. Um, <laughs> we like to keep generous. it politically correct here on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. And I look, I do think the Bears are interesting in the sense that Justin Fields is interesting. And we don't know what he is at all yet, just because we don't have any sample size. And he could be, you know, uh, maybe not this year, but a superstar quarterback potentially. And if he is, then he's probably going to show something of that this season. But just the rest of that offense is just so grim. Uh, so look a lot of people are betting the over i think that's more of a fandom thing than a scientific thing necessarily uh for the same reason that the white Sox the past two years have been our biggest liability for the world series i think that is just a lot of uh our illinois presence but the broncos i think they are a very interesting team where you know it's just difficult to get a gauge on how good or bad the supporting cast has been the past six years because this has been a supporting cast that's been activated by Trevor Simeon and Brock Osweiler and Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And now they get a Yikes. real quarterback. And, you know, they do have a 
nice start to the season the first two weeks because they go at Seattle with their four-point favorites and they'll be big favorites home to Houston the following week. Mm -hmm. But after that, it does get tougher. And the reason why it is so heavily juiced to the under is that that division is brutal. And then their last six weeks of the season, it's Kansas City twice, it's two LA teams, and it's Baltimore and Arizona. So they better have a playoff spot pretty much locked up before those last six weeks. Yeah, Jay, is the post-schedule money kind of like rushes in now? Just where are a few places that you are seeing value at the moment? I mean, does value even exist? I guess value exists right now. Is, is, maybe the prices are just like crazy with everyone like so excited, like kids in a candy store after the schedule. But wh where are some places you are seeing value? So if I had to choose one win total on the board and it was discussed before, it would be the Titans under nine and a half. And where the things I'm looking for in win totals with making a play, two things, one, strength of schedule, then two, how much of last season's success was just based on luck. And luck, the easiest way to look at that is just how you go in close games. And the Titans went six and two in close games last season that you would expect will regress. And then just with all their underlying numbers, they just weren't a one seed last year. They were a one seed, but not really. Uh, and so I think that when you look at that, when you look at the fact they lose AJ Brown, Derek Henry, I'm very worried about Derek Henry. I think if you look at just his progression and how his broken and missed tackle rate has declined over the past three years, I think he might be done. Ah, uh, so no. uh, yeah, bold take. Derek it's Henry, a family man, show. Showing up for the season, mate. You're done. Uh, <laughs> so I think the Titans might be in a bit of trouble. Last year as well, that division was a mess. It'll probably be a mess this year too. But you know, last year they just got two free wins against the Jags. The Jags will be more competent. Uh, and then they played the Colts early in the season when the Colts weren't quite themselves. So I think the Colts are the best team in that division, and uh, the Titans will struggle to get to ten wins. A lot of good points there, Jay. Jacks can't be less competent. We can yeah. say that. I don't know about more competent, but they definitely <laughs> they might be holding less. your beer on that one. The other side of the luck coin is teams that lost a lot of close games. And there's an obvious team that I'm looking at that got stronger in the draft, and they are 12 to 1 to win their respective division. Someone walks up to the counter and places a bet on the Lions to win the <laughs> NFC North at 12 to 1. What is your reaction? Well, if it's at my counter, I don't feel great about it. If it's someone else's counter, <laughs> I feel really good. I like the Lions. I'm with you, Drew. Bring back the raw. Uh, I think that the Lions, you know, with that bad luck, I think Jared Goff gets a rough deal. He's not I can't believe I have to bet the over on the Lions win total after this show. <laughs> yeah. I think 12 to 1 is the right play or playoffs, yes. Yes. Because they could they could conceivably scale. You know, they're, they're like – I'm already that, sold. They, they, I came into you know, the show low on the Lions. I'm now leaving buying a Lions jersey online after. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. They are, there's competence littered through that team. The offensive line is sneaky good. They're going to have more weapons for Goff. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, who I think is going to come in and be much more productive than Trayvon Walker from day one. Uh, another year for Okadar. They, yeah, there's talent on that team. Uh, they play hard. And yeah, I would expect there would be some regression. But another team in that division that I like, Drew, and I like the over a little bit, are the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, where they went, I think they went six and eight in one score game. I was going to say, Jay, like, if you talk about unlucky <laughs> NFC North teams, it was hard to say it's unlucky since they intentionally played. There were some that decisions way. going down the line but, there that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. They played 14 one score games last season, first of all. But <laughs> like, I think with more health for, for Thielen, for Hunter, they had Zadarius Smith, 
you know, new coach, Kirk Cousins, who's kind of become a, a caricature and a gimmick in the NFL world, is still a really solid quarterback. Justin Jefferson, OPOI candidates. Uh, schedule's not too difficult. Uh, division's not too difficult. So I think they are a team that could definitely get to nine wins. So there were some really juicy odds at one point for the Cincinnati Bengals to win the AFC. And none of us were lucky enough to get involved in that price early last season. It's hard to look into the crystal ball, Jay, but I will leave that up to you. You look at some teams and maybe not the Lions, but you look at some teams with longer odds. Could be the AFC or the NFC. Is there one that stands out to you that you think something could break their way? And when push comes to shove end of the season, we're looking at this as a potential postseason threat. Yeah, so I think if you're looking for long shots, you, just as a general rule, you're probably better off looking at the NFC just because the favorites mm -hmm. are weaker uh, in that conference. It doesn't have the the Titans of, not, not the Titans, the, the Titan-like teams of the Bills <laughs> and the Chiefs leading the way in the AFC. Uh, so I think you're probably better off looking for long shots, you know, in a conference like the NFC where the favorite has a quarterback who's 67 years old and at any point Tom Brady might just not be Tom Brady anymore. Uh, at the same time, it's kind of difficult to find one, a team that you really like out of that group of, say, you know, New Orleans, Washington, Arizona. Have you gotten any bets on these teams, Harry. rather? People are yeah, constantly, well, yeah. One one team, the long shot in the NFC that's gotten the most activity are the Giants, uh, oh, who Lord. I think maybe improved this year. And look, I don't think they're going to win the NFC, but if you wanted a real long shot, you would want a high-variance quarterback, who I think Daniel Jones still kind of is. And, you know, you want variance in the form of a new coach as well, which Brian Dable is. So, look, I think the Giants might be a little surprising. Don't think they're going to win the NFC. But, look, if I was looking at a long shot across the two conferences, going against what I said before about staying out of the AFC, I look at Baltimore. I think that they are a team that is most likely in the AFC to, to topple um, that duopoly of the Bills and the Chiefs. Just think that they would... The most decimated team by injuries last year. They've still got an MVP quarterback. Their secondary is going to be fortified after it was sub-NFL standard at the end of last season. Uh, and I think they're the best team in that division. So I'd look at the Ravens potentially as a longer shot. Final question coming from me. What is the hardest team outside the Cleveland Browns because of their situation to price for this upcoming season? Yeah, well, outside of the Browns, who are the clear number one, mm -hmm. in a way, I do think it is Denver, just because we just don't know so much about that team. It's a first-time head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, coordinators we haven't seen. And then Russell Wilson, who quietly wasn't that good last year. Uh, I know he's dealing with injuries, but he wasn't the guy who, you know, six weeks into every season is suddenly the MVP favorite. And so how much of that was just fatigue with Seattle? How much of that was the injury? Uh, I guess we'll find out. But, you know, if he is back to being Russell Wilson, you know, the MVP candidate, then the Broncos, they do have weapons. They have a really high potential defense. Uh, at the same time, they play in a brutal division. So there's just a lot of push and pull factors with the Broncos where I think the most likely outcome is they probably finish 10 and 7 and get a wild card. But at the same time, I don't think it would shock anyone if they won the AFC West and wouldn't shock anyone if they missed the playoffs. So they're a very high variance team.
Yeah, and obviously being in Colorado, you're going to take a lot of bets on them <laughs> over at points bet. So it makes a ton of sense. AJ, thank you so much for the time and all the insight as we look forward to the 2022 NFL schedule. And I guess I'll say go Lions for the first time yeah, in my go life. Go Lions. Bring back the roll. Thanks, Tim. Oh, thanks. my goodness. And for everyone watching a good football show, 118 days until the 2022 NFL season kicks off. But who's counting? Of course, us and everyone else watching this show. For Drew Dinsick, Pat Darty, Pat Corain, and our good friend Jay Croucher, I'm Sarah Perlman. Thanks again for being with us, and we'll see you next time. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.